You're listening to Bible Truth Feed, a podcast by Christadelphianvideo.org for Christadelphians and all those seeking the truth about the Bible message. Join us now as we present our latest episode. very good to be with you brothers and sisters to come together of one mind in our Lord Jesus Christ and remember him and we meet to remember our Lord Jesus Christ he who is the firstborn and shortly we will go to our reading in Exodus that speaks of this but first I want you to turn with me please to Colossians in chapter 1 Colossians chapter 1 because in this we have 
wondrous truths about the firstborn and how this teaching relates to us and to our calling. And so we have Colossians chapter 1 and from verse 12. Giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. And he is the head of the body, the ecclesia, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. And you'll have noticed there in verse 15, it tells us that Jesus is the firstborn of every creature. And in verse 18, tells us that Jesus is the firstborn from the dead. So thinking about Jesus, the firstborn, uh, will form the basis of our preparation today uh, for partaking of the emblems. Now, yesterday, um, in Exodus 11, we read of the firstborn of this world, of Egypt, and how they were destined to die at the hand of the angel of death. And when you reflect, it is the case that all men and women of this world are worthy of death unless redeemed as the people of God. Those separated, passed over, uh, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb and taken out of this world into the land of promise. And we in this room and those who share our faith, the one hope, by grace are among those called to be blessed of the Father, to be separated unto him, sanctified in the firstborn. And in Exodus 11, it, God describes his desire to put a difference. He uses that expression. Put a difference between his people and those of Egypt, the world. And he does so by his treatment of the firstborn. And this then is the glorious significance of the command in our reading today. And if we turn to it in Exodus 13, the chapter commences in the middle of all of this wonderful drama of the deliverance from Egypt. Um, all the plagues that have happened. And now the Passover itself is to happen and then deliverance through the Red Sea. In all of this, we have this command in verse 1. Yahweh spake unto Moses, saying, Sanctify unto me all the firstborn. What, and then it's defined, Whatsoever openeth the womb among the children of Israel, both of man and of beast. Why? Because God says, It is mine. And this is stressed in this chapter a further two times making reference to the firstborn, whatever opens the matrix, the womb. Now we know uh, from scripture that all things were created for God's pleasure. 
And I want to suggest, brothers and sisters, that union with his children will surely be the ultimate pleasure for God. When he causes his people to be partakers of the divine nature with him and his son. What could be a greater pleasure for God? And when he is all and in all, fully manifest in mighty ones, then his name, Yahweh Elohim, will be fulfilled. The joy of this was anticipated, as we know, by Abraham and all the faithful. And it was the earnest prayer of Jesus in his final hours that they may be one with us, he says to God, of people like us. It was a joyful hope of the angels spoken of in Luke 2. We'll turn to this, please. That multitude of the heavenly host, they praised God. <clears throat> and then subsequent to that, <clears throat> in verse 21... It says, when the eight days were accomplished for the circumcising of the child, his name was called Jesus, Yahshua, which was so named of the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the days of her purification according to the law of Moses were accomplished, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the law. Lord, verse 23, as it is written in the law of the Lord... Every male that openeth the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And we've just read that this morning in the law, in Exodus 13. This refers to the command in our reading today, in Exodus 13. Whatsoever openeth the womb. And it gives us here, brothers and sisters, the divine equivalence of the word translated openeth. And it reveals teaching then about the firstborn. So the Lord Jesus Christ is the firstborn, sanctified. He opened the womb of his mother Mary. But spiritually, when raised to glory, he became the firstborn of every creature, part of his body, by baptism and faith. He is the anointed, and as the firstborn, he is sanctified as holy. And again, we read in Exodus 13, every male that openeth the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And I want to suggest that Jesus was not merely holy due to opening the womb of Mary, his mother, being a male. More gloriously, he is the firstborn of every living creature, for he was reborn by resurrection to an incorruptible life. He was the firstborn of the womb of the morning, referred to in Psalm 110, the Jew of youth, and he's identified as a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. We won't turn to it, but in Numbers 8, 17, we read, all the firstborn of the children of Israel are mine, both man and beast. I sanctified them for myself and the Levites for all the children of Israel. So the firstborn then, it's clear, are sanctified to God. They are his for himself. And we become 
his firstborn, when sanctified through our baptism into the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we have in John's Gospel, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which is us, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God, born of the Spirit, born again through the opening of the word, through belief and baptism. As the Apostle Peter was inspired to write, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. So we've seen the connection then between the firstborn and the opening. Now here's the thing. This word opened applies when we humbly receive and read the word of God into our hearts. Imagine the joy of those disciples after his resurrection who said, you'll remember, he opened unto us the scriptures. The word made flesh, the seed of the woman, the Messiah himself opened to us the scriptures. Now the spirit through Luke might have said that Jesus explained things to them from scripture, but no, it uses this word opened, which leads to this profoundly beneficial effect on them. And it's the same for us as well. It's the same word as used of the opening of the womb, that by which you become part of the firstborn. So the effect of scripture, the word of God, opens us to this. And it depends, of course, as we know, on the soil, the state of, of our heart. The effect on those early disciples, well, it's just uh, wonderful. You remember, it's in Luke 24. They said to one another, did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us, by the way, while he opened to us the scriptures? And that expression, burned within us, means they were set alight. He opened their understanding. But what kind of heart must have they had to react in such a way? And the answer is, they had a humble and a contrite heart that trembled at God's word. They had respect for God's word. And the prophet Isaiah is caused to write of such people. For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit, to revive the spirit of the humble and revive the heart of the contrite ones. And what is God saying in this? He's stating that he dwells with people both now and in the age to come when completely united. The people have to have these qualities. We have to have these qualities to respond to the gospel in the first place, but we have to sustain that in our walk to the kingdom. And those on the Emmaus Road were were willing to learn obedience, which is the essence of discipleship. And when you think of it, they must have been unusually teachable people, um, willing to be criticised by Scripture by a perfect stranger. They didn't know who he was at that stage, did they? 
And he's not merely a stranger, but he's one who used harsh terms about their ignorance and confusion. What did he open unto them? Truth about himself, his role as saviour, as the Holy One. Luke 24 continues um, in verse 25. Then he said unto them, O fools, slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And then, this is the opening, beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And so the opening of scripture showed them that he was the promised seed, he was the Messiah. And this truth would have been made clear by Jesus uh, from many places in the Jewish scriptures. The word through Moses, the word through all the prophets in which he was foretold. And to reinforce this message, he'd earlier done miracles described using the same word, opening. As with those of faith who were blind and those who were deaf. But going back again to those on the Emmaus Road, unlike most people, um, stung by such rebuke, they accepted the word. They welcomed it. And for them, they said their hearts burned within them. Their insight to and hearing of God's word was greatly enhanced, and they appreciated that. They became then as the firstborn. The opening led to them being transformed by faith into new creatures in Christ. And when you think of it, not long later, who does the Apostle Paul meet by a river? That woman Lydia. She worshipped God, heard us, whose heart the Lord opened. How did he do that? through her careful attention to the inspired words which were spoken through Paul. And there's a really interesting, a tragic contrast, really, to be made with those in Stephen's audience, you remember. <clears throat> they had the unteachable hearts of the proud. They were resistant to the word about the Messiah being open to them. Stephen's speech in Acts 7 is an opening of the scriptures about Christ because it shows that he is he, the promised seed of the woman, the holy child of God. And Stephen quotes from the law, inciting Abraham, Moses. He speaks of the patriarchs. He draws from the Psalms, for example, Psalm 11. He refers to the book of the prophets. He opened to them the scriptures. And then... Stephen does just like what Jesus did on the road to Emmaus. He rebukes them. And his audience of natural Israel were intended to be holy unto Yahweh as firstborn among all people. As we have God saying, Thus saith Yahweh, Israel is my son, even my firstborn. But how do they react to the testimony of Stephen? When they heard these things, they were cut to their heart and they gnashed on him with their teeth. And we know how that ended. 
So we've considered the heart, that by being open to the word, transformation is possible. <coughs> Strangers become God's children, the firstborn even, by the opening of the word. Let's turn then to Romans and chapter 6. Romans and chapter 6. And we come at verse 17. We read, But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Being made then free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness, slaves of righteousness. But this transformation is an ongoing process. And so the question all of us could ask ourselves as we examine ourselves and prepare to partake is this. Do our hearts still burn within us when we open our Bibles, when we open Scripture? God knows whether they do because he tells us so. And an example of that I'll, I'll quote it to you in, in Revelation 2. I am he which searcheth the reins and the hearts, and I will give unto every one of you according to your works. And again, we're told in the first epistle to the Corinthians, the Lord will make manifest the counsels of the hearts, and then shall every man have praise of God. We know that Jesus is the word made flesh. He's been revealed to us. He's been opened unto us through the word, through scripture, the wonders of the law, the Psalms, the prophets. We can even now behold something of his glory. And in searching these oracles of God, we further open our hearts to receive him. And we find that we too can say as they did, does not our heart burn within us? The opening of the word to be part of the firstborn. And so we've spoken of the opening of scriptures through Jesus' exposition to those on the road. And how that, that term opening is used to describe those miracles. To Jesus, Jesus said to Nicodemus, remember, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the spirit is spirit. And that means to say that we're born corruptible, but we can become incorruptible through the opening of the word, the rebirth of baptism into the firstborn of all creatures, sanctified and holy to God. And so Romans 8 teaches us that we're called to be conformed to the image of his son, that we might be the firstborn of among many brethren. And that confirms beyond doubt that we can also become among the firstborn to God in Christ. So as the faithful firstborn, Jesus is the first fruits of those who put on immortality. Uh, these are just amazing uh, blessings for us, aren't they, brothers and sisters? For us to understand these things and to be invited to such glory. Peter has caused to write this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. And as uh, Matthew said in his prayer, whatever happens as things unfold in the world around us and in our personal lives, we have this absolute reassurance from those words that these things are incorruptible. Nothing can defile the hope that's set before us. Nothing can cause it to fade away. It is reserved. The onus is upon us to remain faithful. And the letter through James tells us of the Father of lights and that of his own will he begat us with the word of truth. That's how it happens. This begetting, this new birth, this becoming part of the firstborn is through the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures, just as Jesus. And this is only possible in his son. And so Jesus is named the last Adam. He obeyed God's will by sacrificing himself. What a contrast to the first Adam. Jesus did not partake of forbidden fruit. Quite the reverse. He obeyed God and gave his own body for his bride. He said, my flesh is meat indeed. Unlike Adam, he causes the eyes of his bride's understanding to be opened. Unlike Adam, glorious access to the tree of life is made possible. And so the word of truth can be opened to us if we have receptive hearts. Hearts that enable us to be among those called in the letter to the Hebrews, the heavenly Jerusalem, the general assembly and ecclesia of the firstborn, written in heaven. And by grace, we will be like those on the road to Emmaus, who will see him, see Jesus, face to face, and know him in the breaking of bread in the age to come, when he eats of this anew in his kingdom. And the wonderful thing is it's our Father's good pleasure to give all of us the kingdom. But we have to do our part. We must continue to open scripture and respond to it with humility and contrition. And by doing that, it'll cause our minds to be further transformed now and ultimately, by his grace, changed. Changed to be like his son, the Holy One, firstborn of all creatures. And it's a high calling, and this is what we are called to follow. And it should be evident to anyone who meets us and talks to us that we are on completely different agenda in life. It should be obvious to them. This is our calling, a continuous transformation until he comes in glory. The blessing to be of the firstborn is therefore about separation and obedient service. And then one day we will be able to sing and praise him personally. And meanwhile, we thank our Heavenly Father for the grace shown in these emblems. And just picking up on the language of that time in Egypt, 
and the preparations for the first Passover, we can say this, that in this house we now share, we eat the emblems of our Passover lamb, whose bones were not broken, whose blood redeems us, and we patiently await our deliverance when he, the firstborn, comes in glory. We come now then to break bread and to drink wine in memory of our Lord and Master. And it's recorded for us in the Gospel of Mark in chapter 14. And as they did eat, Jesus took bread and blessed and break it and gave to them and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and they all drank of it. And he said unto them, This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for, shed for many. Verily I say unto you, I will drink no more of the fruit of the vine until that day that I drink it new in the kingdom of God. We will continue now by giving thanks. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And Father, we approach you now and thankful for this bread, which is symbolic of the body of your beloved Son. And Father, as we take this bread, we remember those last hours when your Son sat with the twelve reclining around the table. He said, do this in remembrance of me. Father, we remember a life of complete obedience to you in all things how he went out into the world and opened the hearts of the people, whether they be publicans or sinners or disciples in Christ, he did for all. And Father, how he cared for the fatherless and the widows, how he showed love for the deaf and the blind and those that could not walk. For each of those he restored their frailties and through these things we see a shadow of the kingdom to come, your beloved, your kingdom on earth. And so, Father, also we remember in those last hours how, with the kingdom in mind, he looked to the joy that was set before him and endured the cross. For, Father, how he suffered for each one of us. But, Father, through his death and resurrection, he overcame the power of fleshly sin. And Father, so we do take this bread in remembrance of these things. Amen. The bread then, the symbol of our Lord's body.
Yahweh, thou who art merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and plenteous in mercy, we offer thee now our thanks for this wine, a symbol of the precious blood of Christ, by which we are redeemed, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Help us to remember him who was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin, and help us to examine ourselves. We pray for thy kingdom to come, that thy glory might fill the earth as the waters cover the sea. We ask all things through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The wine then the symbol of our Lord shed blood. On your behalf, I'd like to thank all those who have helped with our meeting this morning and particularly to our brother Paul for preparing and delivering our exhortation this morning. We're going to close now with hymn 256, after which our brother Matthew Pierce will close our meeting in prayer.
Eternal and almighty Lord God, we bow before thy throne of grace to thank thee for this opportunity to come together to think of those most precious words, that word that is able to lighten our life, to change us, to show us the path in which we must walk. We have thought of the firstborn. We have thought on how from the beginning thou didst make the firstborn the one that was responsible for teaching his house, offering sacrifices for his brethren and sisters. And we recognize that through sin that priesthood was taken away and given to the, to the Levites. And yet in thy plan and thy purpose thou hast a firstborn that was going to be after the order of Melchizedek, even thine only begotten son. He who taught his brethren, who showed them the path, the way, that they might walk in it, and who through his life offered sacrifice for his family, culminating in his own death, that we who join ourselves to him might have hope of life, that through that giving of himself, that ultimate lamb without spot or blemish, all those who have the blood of the slain one upon their doorposts and upon their lintel might have hope of life with him. And as the children of Israel had to demonstrate their faith in the things that they had been promised, that their very lives depended upon the blood that was shed, so our lives are hidden with him, that we look to that better future, not the future of the Egyptian that tends to just death, but a glorious future of that day spring to come when there shall arise upon this world a light that has not been seen since the days of the Lord. That light of the ministry of thy word that shall shine brightly from Zion and that shall fill this whole world. When thy firstborn people even the saints shall go out from Zion and shall teach their brethren throughout all this world, shall call upon men and women to change their ways, to follow a better path, to seek life and not death. And we pray for that time when thy glory shall emanate from Zion, and fulfill this earth as the waters cover the sea. We live in a dark and difficult time. We pray that as we gather together, one amongst another, we may strengthen each other, that we may help each other on that walk, though it be wearisome and difficult, that together we might walk in harness through that wilderness, that we may all together come to that promised land. Bless us, we pray.
guide us and keep us, and send soon thy Son, through whose worthy name we ask all things. Amen. Thank you for joining us. We hope you found the episode helpful. Don't forget, most of these episodes are also available as videos on our video channel, cdvideo.org. So head over and take a look. If you have any comments or questions or suggestions, please get in touch or leave us a voice message. We love to hear your feedback. You can email us at bt f at cdvideo.org If you enjoyed the episode, then please share it with others. Until next time, may God bless you in your studies and your walk towards God's kingdom. Amen.